and welcome to Growing in God's Word, a Bible class recap. It's a weekly summary of the discussions we have in our Sunday morning Bible class at Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Thomas Fricke, and I'll be guiding you today through some of the discussions we've had while exploring topics of relevance to Christians in today's world. Today's topic, Jonah the Reluctant Prophet. The story of Jonah is one of those Bible stories everybody knows, or at least uh, they may think they know. Uh, but not everybody knows the story of the book of Jonah well. Some have questioned the book's accuracy and its authenticity. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a whale? Was it a whale or something else? Could we be looking so hard at the great fish that we fail to see the greater lesson? These are some questions that come up in the study of Jonah. In the next few weeks, we'll be digging into a very old book with a very contemporary message. The message is this, God cares for every lost soul. Today, we're going to see how God calls Jonah to share the word. Jonah responds in a way we do not expect of a prophet of the Lord. It's as if he's telling God, but what if I don't want to go? Let's take a look at the first few verses of Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up against me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. It might seem at first blush a little bit surprising that God would send one of his prophets out of the out of Israel to the city of Nineveh. It certainly was surprising to to Jonah because Jonah did not want to go. But perhaps it's not that surprising after all. What it teaches us is that God is concerned about every lost soul. And so what Jonah does is that rather than going east to the city of Nineveh, he goes west to the port town of Joppa and then continues on a ship to go as far westward as he possibly can for Tarshish on the far end of the Mediterranean Sea. This happens to be during the reign of King Jeroboam II. He was one of the great uh, kings of the northern kingdom of Israel. He was not uh, faithful to the Lord, but he was politically astute and his reign is marked with peace and prosperity. But at the same time, the Assyrians to the east are becoming a threat and they are definitely an enemy. Jonah may have had uh, some reasons for not wanting to go to Nineveh. Perhaps one of the reasons is his fear of just being in danger or being rejected by the people that he's being sent to in Nineveh. Uh, on the other hand, he could also have had a reason for not going uh, that was kind of the opposite of that. The fear of success, that an enemy of the Lord, if he preaches repentance to them and it's successful, that they're then not going to receive the punishment that God, the destruction that God had been foretelling for them without their repentance. And so uh, Jonah perhaps has got more than one reason for not wanting to do what the Lord says here. Psalm 139 tells us something very important here when it comes to trying to avoid the consequences of sin. Sometimes it may appear as though people in this world avoid 
having to face any kind of consequence for their evil behavior. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 7, says, Where can I flee from your spirit? This is King David talking. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. What David is saying here is that I can't get away from God. Um, It would appear as though we might be able to avoid consequence for a sinner that some people do, but in the end we know that we cannot get away from God's judgment. David also in Psalm 32 said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Uh, for my, your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And he goes on to say that, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What David is saying here is that uh, I, I can't deny my sin. It's not a bad thing for me to... Uh, to know that God sees all things and that I can't, uh, I can't get away from him. If I'm caught by God, it's a blessing to me. And as a result of that, I'm forced to face my sin head on. I can't deny it and I need to repent. And in the end, that, that, ends, up being a, that ends up being a good thing. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin, David says. Let's continue reading the story of Jonah, beginning with verse 4. The Lord God sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, the sailors. They asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And we'll just leave it at there with a cliffhanger before we find out the rest of the story. But what we realize here is that Jonah never thought his decision to run away from God is something that would cause anybody else any problems. He's thinking only about himself. Let's continue the story, Jonah chapter 1, verse 12. Jonah says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. 
Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's as far as the story is, as much of the story as we're going to be covering for today. But let's talk about this for a little bit. Jonah admitted that the storm was his fault, and he, he urges the sailors to throw him into the sea. Uh, the question that the Bible study raised was, uh, do you suppose Jonah was repentant, or was he just feeling remorse that he was getting caught? I think this is one of the big questions of the book of Jonah. Was it, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry? And I, I truly and sincerely repent, or was it, ah, I got caught, better comply with what God says. I'm not sure that there is a, a, a certain answer to this. I kind of lean toward the, the idea that uh, Jonah has merely gotten caught and his repentance is still somewhat tempered. Otherwise, I find it hard to explain Jonah's actions in chapter Four, where he is still reluctant to see the repentance of the Ninevites. He wants God's judgment to come on them. And yet at the same time, there are some indications perhaps in chapter 2 in the prayer from the belly of the great fish that, uh, that Jonah's repentance was sincere. Uh, or at least that there is some sincerity in that prayer in chapter 2. We'll get a chance to talk about that next time. But uh, if you take a look at this portion of the book of Jonah, this is a significant observation. He constantly uses the name of the Lord throughout. He does not refer to him uh, by the name uh, that is most often translated with the word God in the NIV Bible, in the NIV translation, but rather the Lord. In other words, it's, it's Yahweh or Jehovah, the name that is usually associated in the Bible with uh, God's grace, his mercy, and his love. It emphasizes his loving character rather than the word, the Hebrew word Adonai, which emphasizes his power and his might and his justice. And so uh, that may give you an idea of, at least at the time of the writing of the book, of Jonah's feelings toward God. He sees the mercy and the love and the patience and grace of the Lord his God behind all of these severe actions that God carries out toward the wayward or reluctant prophet. So the sailors, when they hear Jonah's solution to the story, are not willing to throw him into the sea. It's kind of an interesting thing that they are acting with great integrity, whereas Jonah is not at this point in time. And uh, they have compassion for Jonah, perhaps more so than Jonah has for the people of the city of Nineveh. Uh, they pray. They cry out to the Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you have done as you have pleased. Is this 
evidence of genuine faith where they converted in uh, to faith in the in the one true God, or are they simply accepting him as uh, the God of the sea and the land, as Jonah had described him? And um, it's it's again, this is another question that I think is going to remain open and undecided. Uh, it is possible that uh, they do because later on as the sea grows calm, they offer a sacrifice to the Lord and make vows to him. Um, is this then saving faith in the one true God, the maker of heaven and earth and the savior of all mankind? Or, or is this merely uh, offering superstitious sacrifices to one of many gods who is the god of the location of the sea and uh, of the of the land that uh, uh, has demonstrated great power to them. Again, it's, it's impossible for us to know this for sure, uh, and yet at the same time it's, it, it does cause you to, to wonder, did God work a great miracle in the hearts of these heathen and uh, superstitious sailors. Uh, saving faith is always a miracle whenever it occurs. Uh, one final question I think that we asked on, on Sunday morning that was a really good question, I believe is a good question. Do you expect God to be as involved in your life as he was in Jonah's life? The answer is absolutely yes. Of course he's involved in my life just as much as he was in Jonah's. It's not going to be as dramatic perhaps in our lives. Uh, but God does work through the events of our lives. As somebody has said, nothing ever really happens by chance when God is involved. And in this case, we see that Jonah needs to be taught uh, concern for all human beings, for every lost soul. He needs to be taught uh, some humility uh, and to recognize his own sin he especially needs to learn compassion and to have compassion toward others as the Lord has compassion toward them too. And we can look back in our lives perhaps and see times when God needed to teach us a lesson in humility, needed to lead us to come to him in repentance and needed to teach us to have a change of mind and a change of heart about our attitudes toward, in this case particularly, toward those lost souls that we may otherwise not have a whole lot of compassion for. Well, that's our, our lesson for this week. We're going to continue with this lesson for next week. Um, thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for future topics, we uh, really want to uh, have you let us know what those topics might be. We'll see you next week as we continue our study of the book of Jonah and see what happens then with Jonah once uh, he is swallowed by the, the, the great fish. Uh, our Sunday morning Bible study uh, meets in the commons here at Trinity Lutheran Church. We'd love to see you there. Come and join us. And until then and until next time, Keep on growing in God's word.